Our time of devotion begins, first of all, with a reading from Isaiah the prophet, the 40th chapter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Hope. Someone once said that we can live 40 days without food, that we can go three days without water, but that we can't live more than four seconds without hope. And I've read quotes that people have said no more than one second without hope. Do you know that the word desperate, where it comes from? It comes from the Latin word that means without hope. There's a famous theologian that said this, totally without hope, one cannot live. To live without hope is to cease to live. Hell is hopelessness. It is no accident, this man said, that above the entrance to Dante's hell, do you remember that? Is this inscription, leave behind all hope, you who enter here. Hope, no hope. Martin Luther said, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. We have hope. Thank God we have hope. A real hope, a constant and a sure hope, one that's living because, because it's rooted in God. That's why. As opposed to the hope with a small h. Ours, our hope is capitals all the way through. Our hope is in God who did what he did in the past and therefore we can have hope today as we look toward the future. That's a hope that is sure. It looks forward. And our hope looks forward, even as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, to the end of all time. And we can have a sure hope about that because of every single promise in the past that God has kept. St. Paul wrote, if we have hope only for this life, we are to be most pitied of all people. Peter wrote, Ours is a living hope. The book of Hebrews says, hope, our hope, is the anchor of the soul. I love that image. It is the anchor of our soul. And it was St. Paul who ended his letter to the Romans with these words. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is God's word.
to us. So, we hear then also from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. These words. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. We long for peace. It is something that we need as much as we need hope. Not just we, but everybody. Everybody longs for and needs peace. Everyone who's ever lived. And not just no skirmishes. Not just no hatred. Not just no warfare. But a total peace. A peace of heart a peace of mind, starting there in a peace that invades and permeates absolutely everything, a peace that lasts, not just here and gone tomorrow. That's what our souls cry out for. As much as hope, also peace. And people, people altogether, we pursue hope like perhaps nothing else. Perhaps like a dog chases its tail on and on, trying and trying and trying, but never quite catching his tail. That's the pursuit of peace apart from God, apart from his love in Jesus Christ. St. Peter wrote, seek peace and pursue it. And people do. But you and I, You and I, not only that, we have peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the center of it all. He's where it begins. He is where it ends. Psalm 29 makes it very clear when the psalmist wrote, the Lord blesses his people with peace. It comes from God and it comes to us. It starts with him, and it it doesn't end with us, but it touches us, and it fills us, and that peace is given to us for us, but also for us to share, for peace to flow into us, but also through us, all around. You You remember, peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit. The Lord has been good to us in Jesus The Spirit helps us grow, and one of those fruits is peace. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A fruit of the Spirit. Or as St. Paul wrote, a peace that passes all understanding. So now I say what a lot of pastors say at the end of their meditation for weekly worship. I don't often say it, but I say it tonight. 
May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Peace, to be sure. The next two readings are gospel readings and allow you to sit as you hear these words. First of all, familiar words from St. John's Gospel, words that echo in our hearts and minds, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Joy. It's the joy candle that was lit Sunday, and it's in the warmth of that joy, if only in our hearts, not so much by the candle, that we live in that awareness and with that in our hearts tonight. There's happiness, you know. And happiness is fine. But you know that happiness is like a roller coaster. One day we're happy at the top, maybe for a couple of days, maybe even for a year or so, but happiness goes. It comes, but it leaves. It never lingers that long. Not joy. Joy is one of those things that only God gives, real joy, and it settles. It settles deeply in our hearts, and it does not go away. It runs deeply. It's rich, and it lasts. Joy is in the manger. The manger where we see Christ, not worshiping the manger, but the one who is the Prince of Peace, who lay there in the manger to give a peace that, well, we never will know elsewhere. And with that peace, which I mentioned a few moments ago, comes that joy, the, the joy that accompanies peace. The J in Jesus is exactly for that, lest we forget. Joy is rooted in his person, the baby in Bethlehem. Joy is rooted in Jesus' work, what he said, what he did, for you, for me, for the entire world. That's where joy is. Our joy now remains in him, and it is in his presence. Our joy is in relationship with Jesus. Hope and peace, that's what they lead to. Hope, peace, joy. Joy, another fruit of the Spirit. That's why Peter could write this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Inexpressible and glorious joy. Thank God for that. Thank God for him. We think lastly, at least for these purposes, about love. That's illustrated in Luke chapter 1 as Mary visits Elizabeth 
At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea after she learned she would be pregnant, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Joy, which leads to love. O Lord, have mercy on us. It is love. The picture of Mary and her cousin Elizabeth, a young woman pregnant and an old woman with child, together rejoicing because their children had the biggest role in the history of the world. John called the baptizer and Jesus for whom John prepared the world. What could bring more happiness? With that, the fulfillment of all of God's promises. A joyful reunion, to be sure. Two great people in the drama of salvation, soon to bring two more, even more important people to the stage. The word love, it's easy to say, and we use it often. And we use it for so many things to describe our relationship to it. From chicken noodle soup to a spouse, to one who is loved. The word is easy to say, but it's not easy to experience. It's not easy to receive and share. I mean, real love. Selfless, giving love. We've taken love. And we have trivialized it. We have sexualized it. We have beat it up in so many ways. We have used it here and there. And with it, we have watered it down. So much so that God's love almost seems unrecognizable. Real love just sometimes escapes our imagination. Until we look to God. Until we see him for who he is. And you see, the Bible says God is love. He doesn't just show love. He is the very essence of what love is. And to have God is to have love. And it's love that came down on Christmas. The very Son of God, God himself, love among us. This is the core of the celebration we're headed toward It is love, a love that came from beyond time and beyond space to humanity, the Word of God, who became a human being. Christmas, you know, it's not primarily about our loving others. As much as we hear radio, television, plays, as much as we read in newspapers, magazines, as much as we hear from the lips of many people about it's a, it's a time of love, and it goes undefined, but it seems to 
imply that it all begins with us. Love is a part, but it is our response. Our response to God who is love. A love, a God who showed himself in this earth at Christmas. Fundamentally, first and foremost, this is what Christmas is about. Our first love. God who has come, a God who has chosen us, a God who is love comes near. So that we can say, like John wrote in his first epistle, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is what the Bible says. This is what we believe and hold to. Many people don't know, and we think so much about Jesus, and rightly so, at Christmas. But as the church views the year that we go through, Christmas is the, technically the festival of God the Father. Easter is God the Son's day. And Pentecost, obviously, the Holy Spirit. But here, what we are about to celebrate is the love of God, made flesh made plain, made clear, but it's God who started it all, the love that came down. I know you're familiar with the great love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You've heard it, you've read it, you've been to a wedding, no doubt you have heard it. Have you ever taken that and substituted for the word love, the word God, or the word Jesus? God is patient. God is kind. God does not. God does. Go through that scripture sometime and put God's name in its place, the place of love. That will help. That will remind us. That will be the source of our love as we are called to live in that love. So 